Hello and welcome to The Buzz, a bank automation news podcast. My name is Whitney McDonald and I'm the editor of Bank Automation News. Today is November 14th, 2023. Joining me is Shankar Ramamurthy. He is Global Managing Partner in Banking at IBM. During his time at IBM, he has served as General Manager of Strategy and Market Development, CTO and General Manager of Strategy and Solutions, and Global Managing Partner of Strategy and Analytics. He is here to discuss how FIs can approach embedded finance in order to maintain competitiveness in the industry. Thanks for being here. Hey, uh, thank you, Whitney. My name is Shankar Ramamurthy. I'm the Global Managing Partner for Banking and Financial Markets in IBM Consulting. IBM Consulting is an over $20 billion plus consulting practice worldwide. And Banking and Financial Markets is a substantial part of what we do. I'm really looking forward to this discussion with me. Great. Well, thank you again for being here. We can kind of get right into things with setting the scene here. Maybe you can tell me where we stand today on embedded finance and where embedded finance is headed. Um, good question. So um, we recently completed uh, a major study between the IBM Institute for Business Value and Bayon, the Banking Industry Architecture Network, uh, org. And the paper was um, recently released. It's called Embedded Finance, Creating the Everywhere, Everyday Bank. And for this particular study, we spoke to over 12,000 plus consumers across 12 countries uh, and in all age groups. We interviewed over 1,000 banking executives uh, across 32 countries and banks really with assets in excess of $10 billion. For the purposes of this study, we defined embedded finance as the integration of financial products and solutions within the customer's journey of non-financial services organizations, thereby eliminating friction and enriching the overall experience. So, So stated simply, it's about embedding financial services products into the workflow of other ecosystems. And there were five key takeaways, really interesting and compelling study, five key takeaways. Embedded finance is essential for modern banking strategies, and over 70% of the banking executives we spoke with talked about embedded finance as either core or complementary to their business strategy. Um, Second takeaway, ecosystem-based business models are rising, and financial institutions are increasingly investing in the platform economy. And we can get into some of the data if you'd like uh, as we go. Yeah, uh, that would be great. And, 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 and bank executives' priorities, um, really, when we, when we actually aligned their thinking with that of the customers, the 12,000 customers, it showed that there is kind of a, a bit of a, a disconnect between the priorities that bank executives are focused on in the embedded finance space versus customer expectations and demands, consumer expectations and demands. Uh, And the last two takeaways, uh, genuinely, uh, it's clear from the study that monolithic architectures and processes are hindering banks' ambitions in this space. And last but not least, privacy and security concerns and challenges are legitimately so slowing innovation across the open banking ecosystem in the embedded finance space. Let me just pause. Yes, thank you so much for going through all of those takeaways and the data. We can definitely get into that. 
maybe before we do that, we could maybe just talk about why it's necessary, why it's necessary for FIs to have a seat at the embedded finance table, um, maybe from a competitive perspective. Oh, great question. Effectively, what's happening is the combination of um, fintechs and what we call tech fins, these are the large technology enterprises backing into financial services. Between the fintechs and the tech fins, they're going after some of the most profitable parts of the banking franchise, and they're backing into financial services, areas like payments um, and, and other products, uh, which are particularly profitable for financial institutions. I mean, this is a trend that started um, uh, in Asia Pac, going back more than a decade ago with the likes of Alibaba and Tencent, but it's a trend that's kind of playing its way um, around the world, whether it be uh, in, a, in, a, in a US context, the likes of um, Amazon or, or Shopify or, um, or Square and others, they're all providing a range of financial services capabilities that are backing into financial services. And of course, regulations like open banking are also opening up financial services to other participants. We will definitely get into the open banking too. Um, maybe this could be a good chance to talk through some of that data that you were talking about as we get into a little bit deeper of a discussion on how financial institutions can really execute on embedded finance, maybe talking through some of those strategies or priorities that you did see in that report? Yeah, sure. Um, maybe the first point I would want to make um, is that, you know, I did say something like 70% uh, of the financial institutions are saying that embedded finance is either core or context to their strategy. When you double click on that, something like 20% of the financial institutions are already live with embedded finance initiatives around the world, and another 51% are in the process of implementing. Now, so that's about that's how you get to that 70%. It turns out that um, only 10% of the financial institutions from that universe have actually achieved their, their objectives. And it turns out that for that 10%, it took them on average about six years. So this is not a one and done. It's, it, there's, a, there's a meaningful learning curve for financial institutions, and it takes about six years or so for them to fully achieve their objectives, uh, which in itself is interesting. Um, it's a long-term game. Uh, it's not a one or two quarter game. Now, you mentioned the open banking regulation, so maybe we can get into that, how the CFPB's latest open banking regulation does fit into embedded finance. Does this create a more level playing field that FIs have been asking for? How does this all kind of fit into the embedded finance puzzle? Yeah, um, great question. So the, the CFPB with its uh, um, new open banking rule. Um, now, by the way, this rule uh, is, is, um, you know, is still uh, being worked through with comments and submissions being accepted until the end of this year, 29th of December. Uh, the expectation is that um, the, the, the Bureau anticipates finalizing uh, the rule uh, by the fall of 2024. Um, and, um, and when I look at the timeline there, um, you know, it's initially going to apply to the largest um, financial institutions, the ones with, um, you know, assets in excess of $500 billion if you're a depository institution and over $10 billion in revenue for non-depository institutions. Um, 
And then over a period of four years, uh, it's going to play out um, in that even the smallest depository institution uh, will have to comply. So there's a meaningful amount of time in which um, this is, uh, you know, this is going to play out. And this is um, kind of a long-awaited, um, you know, um, program, and and it's going to apply to, you know, everyone, right? Financial institutions, card issuers, di digital wallets, and any other kind of consumer-facing um, entity that holds. Um, you know, consumer financial data, and 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 the and and the regulation uh, is mandating uh, that a consumer's financial data, um, you know, will be shared with authorized third parties at the consumer's request. So so it is going to open up um, the financial services landscape, you know, more so um, to everyone, um, you know, beyond financial institutions. Uh, and it's also going to intensify competition between financial institutions in that they they can reach in and access data. Um, you know, if a customer has got more than one uh, financial, um, you know, banking relationship with more than one financial institution, uh, that that data is going to be shared. Now, this is a, a regulation that's played out in every other part of the world. It's 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 playing out here in the U.S. as well. This is one more reason why financial institutions have to get into embedded finance because it's it's um, it's um, it's increasing competition uh, and it's reducing the barriers for non-financial services players to get access to financial information. Now, maybe it would be a good idea to talk through some examples of embedded finance in action. Maybe some FIs that are ahead of the game or. What embedded finance that you're seeing in the space today? Um, um, excellent question. I'd say um, much of the the, the most successful uh, embedded finance initiatives um, actually um, have have been uh, from you know um, what we call the growth markets. Um, so if I and and by the way, I started by talking about um, um, Asia Pac. Some of the most compelling examples are really from Asia Pac and Latin America and so on. Uh, I'll give you a couple um, where we, we as IBM have been very act IBM Consulting have been very actively involved. Uh, the largest bank in India is called SBI, the State Bank of India. Uh, we've been working with them the last several years on their um, uh, program called Yono. You only need one. Uh, that's a mobile. That's a mobile-based, uh, um, you know, uh, application. And and effectively, what State Bank of India have done through Yono is uh, they've created an online marketplace with over 100 uh, partners in the ecosystem. So anything that you as a consumer might want to do relating to, relating to electronic commerce or or, or travel or or or, um, or or other um, you know things you might want to buy um, on the you know equivalent of Walmart um, you know uh, in India. Um, you are able to, through the Yono app, access all those 100 plus partners, and you as a consumer will get a better value proposition by going through the Yono app to those 100 plus partners rather than approaching them directly. Now, what that did is it enabled um, State Bank of India and Yono to embed itself into a much broader range of workflows um, because people don't wake up, as an example, as a consumer, you don't wake up in the morning saying, I want to use my credit card. You, you know, you wake up in the morning and say, maybe I want to get myself a cup of coffee. 
and, and if you're embedded in, if a financial institution is embedded into that workflow, uh, chances are your product are going to be used by the consumer. So that was the, the um, journey that State Bank of India started on many moons ago. And their chairman's been up on stage talking about how Yono has created over well in excess of $40 billion of, of incremental market cap for State Bank of India. We've done similar work for you know, other um, clients uh, around the world. One of the more recent ones uh, is a piece of work we did uh, for a Latin American uh, uh, bank. Um, um, and this is about helping them uh, embed themselves into the agri ecosystem. We created a platform working together with them. Uh, and, and whether it be advisory services, farm equipment, access to live Monday data, uh, logistics, um, seed, fertilizers, and so on, weather patterns, and a whole bunch of things that a farmer would, would want to know. Um, through this app uh, that's um, owned by this bank, you're the farmer is able to get access to all these things. And, and as they do all these things, as they transition into needing financial services, this bank becomes the default for all the financial needs of the farmers. Uh, there's similar work that we've done with DBS in Singapore uh, in multiple ecosystems. Uh, and you can, as you can see, this is a global phenomenon and a global trend with extraordinary opportunity uh, for financial institutions to embed themselves into customer journeys and drive a lot of economic value both to the customer and to the financial institution. Now, speaking of that opportunity, and thank you so much for providing those examples of embedded finance in use today. Um, those those were great. So thank you so much for breaking those down. But speaking of that opportunity, maybe I can ask you to look ahead and give us kind of what's ahead of us for the future of embedded finance. Maybe what adoption might look like or what you're seeing from a technology perspective um, when it comes to embedded finance. And I mean, you can look into next year or the next five to 10 years, kind of however you want to take that future look. All right, so so let me let me break it into, maybe I'll make um, three points. The first point is um, the, we, did, we did notice a gap between consumer preferences and bank, where banks are kind of focused on in embedded finance, and that's going to kind of take care of itself over the coming year or so. Uh, and what I mean by that on the first point is that um, banks are focused uh, more on uh, security and protection and new capabilities like buy now, pay later, and peer-to-peer -peer payment, while consumers are focused on areas like really good customer service, mobile wallet. And by the way, mobile wallet is going to be um, the, the, the uh, capability for all sorts of other things, including digital currencies that are going to come in many countries over the next three to five years, and things like rewards. So it's a bit of a disconnect between where um, banks are investing and where consumers uh, are really looking for capability, that's going to that's going to take care of itself. And the second point I'd make is, like I said, it's a it's a it's a six year journey, and about uh, ten percent of the banks are already there. Seventy percent of the banks are 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 uh, on the journey, and and we know for sure uh, that those financial institutions are going to continue. Um, and for the entire banking ecosystem, it's going to create a lot of economic value. Uh, the third point I would make, uh, this is kind of an important um, point, is that um, a technology like generative AI uh, is going to 
um, you know, accelerate the ability of financial institutions uh, to provide greater and superior value, both in the context of embedded finance, uh, but also much, much more broadly. Uh, and so this is an area in which we as IBM are doing a lot, lot of work, and you, you, I'm, 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 I'm sure you're aware that uh, we made announcements around technologies like Watson X um, and an investment in standards-based open generative AI technology because we're going to live in what we call a multi-model world. There are going to be multiple models uh, that are going to be built. Um, and when you think about embedded finance that requires consolidation of a lot of structured unstructured data, um, the ability to collaborate broadly across ecosystems uh, and partners requiring, again, uh, the, the need to uh, traverse through multiple contracts, multiple documents, work with uh, voice and text and other technologies. Um, generative AI is going to be a profound and compelling um, technology. It's an area in which we are making a lot of investment. And we know from the work we are doing on the consulting side with our clients that they are investing aggressively in it. So the combination of these exponential technologies, cloud uh, plus generative AI, and ecosystems and partnerships, plus standards being um, either imposed by regulators such as open banking or collaboratively created through organizations like Bion are going to provide an extraordinary capability for financial institutions to take uh, you know, advantage of embedded finance and drive a lot of value for the customers and for themselves over the next three to five years. Really exciting times ahead of us. listening to The Buzz, a bank automation news podcast. Please follow us on LinkedIn. And as a reminder, you can rate this podcast on your platform of choice. Thank you for your time and be sure to visit us at bankautomationnews.com for more automation news.